Hey listeners, it's Adam, and 2019 is already off to such a busy start. You guys may have seen it, The Creative Workbook came out. It is a process-oriented guide to helping you set goals and visions for the coming year. It's an accumulation of hundreds of hours of work of me working with individuals and groups on helping them reach their creative goals. Go to the website, notesonyournotes.com forward slash 2019, or just go to the main website and click on Creative Workbook. It is there for you, a gift. Merry Christmas. Happy Joshua. New Year. Happy New Happy Year. Year. Yeah, it's also the Chinese New Year's and all that good stuff. So I have some classes coming up in the Los Angeles area the month of March and April. I'll also be hosting a couple of open mic nights in downtown Los Angeles. I also have a class for the embodied writing for uh, writers getting into their body, and it's going to be taught at the Soul of Yoga down in Encinitas. And I'm co-teaching that with Dr. Dana Reese. So that will be an amazing experience as well, um, as well as Hollyhock. Hollyhock is uh, is uh, coming up again in July. Josh is back at Hollyhock teaching again, and I just want to say it's an amazing experience. He taught in the uh, fall of last year and at the Braid Theater in Santa Monica, and it culminated in a show where everyone presented completely original material. A bunch of people showed up to watch it, and it was such a good experience for people to start with their process and get towards a completed piece. Uh, so, so much to offer this year, and there'll be more, so stay tuned. Enjoy the show. Now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey, Adam. It's time for Notes on Your Notes. Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. Josh, you had a little bit of uh, travail getting here tonight. We actually had weather today. It's pouring rain. Yep. Um, It took you 90 minutes to get here. Liquid sunshine. I was thinking about how when people had a hellish day of driving in LA, they Mm -hmm. used to be like, man, it took an hour, but Mm -hmm. now it's 90. I'm, so here's my, yeah, that was my hot take. 90, yeah. 90's the new 60 in LA. <laughs> what's up? What's Adam. up, 11 million people? <laughs> Adam, I've, I've missed you. Yeah. I've missed you so much. I know you have. Yeah. 90's the new 60. Yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? You are so correct. And like I just 15 love... years ago, that drive would have taken you an hour, right? Yeah. Your articulation is just <laughs> really beautiful and well. Okay. Yeah. Just well, saying. Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody wants to move to L.A., we um, have been hired to be the spokespeople <laughs> for the city. <laughs> There's a housing crisis, according to the radio. I got to hear that yeah, story four r- times. Rents have gone up 30% in the last four years. Yeah. So just, you know, you're warned. This podcast has been brought to you by... The city of Los Angeles. HUD. <laughs> we have an unprecedented homeless po- problem. What are there, yeah. 26, 27,000 homeless people in L.A.? Yeah. Uh, wow. 25,000 are right here in Santa Monica. LA, oh. we love it. <laughs> yeah, Santa Monica has a very large number of homeless people. Yeah. It's in, actually, we get a, I get a letter from the mayor. Oh, really? What did the mayor want to share with you? They've got an action plan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How's it working? <laughs> it seems like such a difficult problem to solve. Sure. I don't know how you solve homelessness. Maybe we provide housing to people. <laughs> Didn't Salt Lake City do something radical like they decided to just build houses for everyone? Mm, 
And what happened? I don't know. I think there have been some radical attempts. Also, I mean, real. I mean, I don't think real estate is cheap in Salt Lake City, but it's probably cheaper than here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's less friction. That's for sure. I, I just, there's probably places. There, you just look. It's weird when you go to a place like Salt Lake City because you see tracts of land without homes on them. Mm-hmm. They're basically you don't see that in LA. It's very mm-hmm. rare that they, like we have almost no space that's open. Uh, in Playa Land, Vista. Inland Empire. I mean, you have to go way okay, out. First there. of all, that's not LA. You're it's, right. Yeah, you're the right. IE has open tracks. Yes, the IE. But the only place in LA is Playa Vista, right? In the swamps, and there've been huge arguments, right, about what to do with that land. Yeah, well, because it's a nature reserve. It's a wetland. The, the, yeah, it's a wetland. The, there's there's that area that's um, uh, over by Pierce College that has like. Well, like near a, where I grew a, up. a couple of city blocks of like empty space, but that's all going to change. Yeah. Yeah. Throw up some condos. Let's do this. Let's <laughs> get some prefab. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's not enough traffic on the one Oh one. We need more. Apparently they wanted to put in a big, uh, development at Bergamot station here, mm-hmm. which is used to be, I think still is an arts and gallery sort of collective. And, uh, the city of Santa Monica, the people defeated it. Well, the city of Santa Monica has said yes to closing down the Santa Monica airport. I know, 2028. And, and building in, and they're going to build, you know, housing and all parks. And, I think I'm fine with that. I think you know. I'm happy with that. You know? I think, did you tell the mayor? Because since he's writing you personal <laughs> notes. It's, yeah, right, right. It's well, we have, a, we have like a monthly, yeah. have you seen it? There's a Santa Monica <laughs> monthly newsletter. Like, you guys have like a little monthly little get together. It's a People's know? Republic here. Yeah. Cool. I didn't know. Um, yeah, I think I was fine. I don't need like John Travolta out of a place to like park his Learjet. Like he can live. He can yeah. drive to Van Nuys now. He, he can go to Van Nuys. Yeah. yeah. Uber, he can Uber Santa in. Monica doesn't need a private airport. Yeah. He can Uber in from, from Van Nuys. Yeah. I mean, he's probably got like a helicopter. He's a Scientologist. They just beam. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need... He's transcended space time. <laughs> we're just dealing with time and space. That's you all. know, like Paul Haggis, the director of Crash. Yes, you know, of course. He yes. was like one of the first like celebrity people in Scientology who was like, "This is kind of crazy." Yeah. And his thing was like, he gets to like the final rung, and uh-huh. they put him in. You know, at that point, you've spent like a quarter million dollars yeah. at each level. Yeah. And they take him aside and they tell him the origin story of the universe. Uh-huh. And I, I, I'm, this is not it, but it's something like this: like yeah. muons came here forty million dollars and injected a virus into the earth, and then like humans were created. Yeah. And I think he was the first guy who was like, "What the? <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> like, this is like a bad sci-fi pitch, and it's like a religion." Um, which. Which he is was. Which he was. Yeah, so. uh, but I, I find that really amusing. Uh, God bless you, Paul Haggis, uh, for blowing the lid on Scientology. When I first moved to Los Feliz, mm. like the first week, mm. you know, because it's a big Scientology center there. It's huge. Old, it's, it's a really creepy looking building, an old mental hospital that was converted. Um, and yeah, no, I like walked out my door and immediately to... <laughs> two women in their like late 20s approached me which let's be honest doesn't happen to me very often on the street oh and uh they were like they just started talking to me and i was like what is going on and then i was like oh 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 um and i was still like in journalist mode at that point in my life i bet they were wearing really nice blazers no, they didn't, they, have, they didn't. They didn't have, have the that, outfit. They, didn't no, have the they were undercover. Oh, no tell. Wow. They, they didn't have the yeah. black vest. 
yeah. the creepy black vest. Yeah. Uh, and then they gave me a pamphlet, and I was just like, oh, you guys are actors. Because they were, like, attractive and kind of yeah. like, effusive. Yeah. Celebrity Center. It, yeah, they have a Celebrity Center. That's right. Dynamics. Hang out with Tom and John and yeah, everyone else. Yeah. Leah. What's that lady's name? Leah. The woman who was doing the expose on, on Scientology, and she... But she was a former Scientologist. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, not to pick on Scientology, uh, except when we're picking on Scientology. <laughs> it's just because it's local. If there was a weird... We were uh, talking about 101 traffic. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, say 101, I say mean, Scientology. Is that worse than the Catholic Church tithing? Who knows? You right. Know, 10%. That's no joke. That's like that's kind of Hollywood in a way because that's so like agenty. It's true, huh? You know, your agent gets ten percent. Yeah. So yeah. Does, as does the Catholic Church. Yeah. So that means personal personal managers must be worth like double <laughs> the Catholic Church because they get twenty. I think they get yeah fifteen. Managed. Fifteen twenty. Yeah. Uh, what were we gonna talk about today? What are we gonna talk about today? We're rambling. <laughs> we're rambling. Thank God this can oh, be edited yeah, out. You had an idea. Uh, your idea was. Drum roll. Let's go beyond time and space, because that's the theme that you brought in earlier on this conversation. Time and, and space. 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 So in space. all in all actual <laughs> Space. Space, the final frontier. We were we were talking about solo performances on Netflix earlier. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's is so it? interesting, isn't it? Okay, so let's lay it out a little bit, which mm-hmm. is that it seems like in the last period, last few years, Whereas there was a point in history where people did straight comedy specials where they just got up and told jokes for an hour. Take my wife, please. (laughs) Josh is here all night. Uh, We are seeing more and more of an integration of comedy and solo, one-act solo performance, Mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, And what I mean by that is comedians who are telling their personal story Mm -hmm. and, um, and layering comedy on top. Big ones that come to mind are Neil Brennan's Three Mics, mm-hmm. which uh, these are all on Netflix. You can go watch them. Uh, it was uh, Neil Brennan created The Chappelle Show with Dave Chappelle. He went back to doing stand-up, and there are three mics on stage. At one mic, he tells one-line jokes. At another mic, he does traditional stand-up. And on the third mic, which is the mic in the middle, he tells the story of his battle with depression and his deep problem- problematic relationship with his narcissistic alcoholic father. And so... And it's a personal story about his father's death and the pain of it. And so really like... And he's Irish. And he's Irish. Right. So that I think is... It was kind of interesting because he delineated based on the geography of the stage, the three different mics, Mm -hmm. those different things. I would put Hannah Gatsby's recent special Nanette in this too, Mm -hmm. where it's a little different, but... She's mm-hmm. she's almost she's telling her personal story of growing up in Tasmania and and what it was like to be a lesbian growing up there. Mm-hmm. But she's also telling a story. Um, she's also like there's a pretty strong political message going on sure. in the back thirty minutes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's deeply personal and she's deeply angry. Mm-hmm. And so, I just saw Mike Birbiglia's one man show, the new one in New York. I'm sure it'll be on Netflix in a couple mm-hmm. months. Um, he has Sleepwalk with Me. Uh, which is on Netflix if you want to see it. But my, the, his show is all about his decision with his wife. He didn't want a child. His wife did. And it's about that journey of coming to that decision um, about whether to have a child. But he's a comedian too. So he's de- so there's this melding of personal storytelling and stand-up that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And it's probably always been going on, but it's, like, it's becoming more um, succinct 
and more prevalent. And here's my proposition, which is not mind blowing, which is that I think some people feel that like they, there's so much content now that they don't want to watch people tell jokes anymore. Just get up and tell jokes. They want more from people. They want more authenticity. Mm -hmm. They want engagement with the story. And there are some other examples of this on Netflix that I've seen that I can't recall, but there are a lot of this stuff going on right now. Um, and who could, and really like Anne Randolph, Mm-hmm. Our friend and performer mm-hmm. who has a new show coming out inappropriate in all the right ways. You know, this is her bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And her new show is very much like that in that instead of it being an alter ego character that she's working through, it's just her story, which is going to be a mix of story and comedy. That's so true. Yeah. And so, so Anne has, you know, her work that she's working on. Also, there's another one I think that was on HBO Career Suicide about mm-hmm. one, one guy's battle with uh, suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are talking about really personal stuff in their stand-up now. And, but more than that, there's a narrative arc, I think, to a lot of this. Yeah. And, and moments are dropped in of decisions, and they're trying to move beyond just comedy. And I, I guess my question to you is, when do you think this is being done well, and when do you think it's not? Well, let's talk about why it's in our culture in a more prevalent way now more than ever. And I would say it has to do with YouTubers. I think the the currency of entertainment today mm-hmm. is personal confession. Yeah. And, you know, there's, a dec- there's declining privacy, basically. And so mm-hmm. now all these social media platforms have encouraged this type of behavior. So when we see people who are more masked in their performances. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, uh, we don't like it as much. We, we have less tolerance for ju- just a technical performance and we want depth and we want entry and we want vulnerability and we want, you know, the C word connection, connection. because we world we live in a world that's so filled with unconnection. No disconnection. Disconnection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The irony is that all these phones and social media platforms are making us feel more lonely and disconnected. Mm-hmm. And yet in our entertainment, then we now want, mm-hmm. we want greater connection, which is actually a one way street in the sense of it's not a two way street, right? So the person who's sharing has a lot of vulnerability in the sense of sharing. And we, as an audience member, you know, we don't have that opportunity. It's not a two way street. It's not a circle, which is ultimately where it needs to go then doesn't it well yeah there needs to be uh it's kind of hard to pull that off in the you know when you're streaming content from another person when you're you're in a consumption type world where we live in where everything is consumption i don't know i I feel really pulled in when people go oh hi oh hi timmy hi sam oh 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 uh, beatrice so nice to see you there on Facebook, when people oh, are doing Facebook, Facebook yeah, right. yeah, when they're doing those first five minutes, that's always so. Oh, hi, hi, Tina. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay. You know what's weird is mm-hmm. I think that some social media maven has trained them all to do that. <laughs> has told them that's how you should do it to build connection with your audience. So now they all do it. Yeah. During a, a the, Facebook the intro, live, yeah. and I get it. It's like, it's, oh, I hope they say my name. It's just terrible. It is. It's, it's, it makes me smile. My question for you is like, have you seen any that you feel do it really well? One of my favorite YouTubers is um, Casey. Casey Neistat. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's more of like he's not really a comedian. He's like a director. 
Yes. Yeah. This is not in the comedy world. This is this is more in the personal expose. Let me hear your personal point of view. Uh-huh. You know, let me get to know you through your work, which is basically what we're doing with comedians. We're, we're getting to know them through their comedy work mm-hmm. um, because we do expect them to put it through a comedy lens eventually. So, Josh, I want to check in with you about something because it's it's interesting to me because yeah. I feel like I watch a lot of stuff and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. And you watch it and you're like, mm, no. So let's let's talk about Neil Brennan's Three Mics, okay. which I really liked and our friend Ann Randolph really liked. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I and just, the rest of America loved it, too, because well, look at the I stats. Well, I don't know. I don't know if the rest of America loved it. Mm-hmm. I know. I think for people who had struggled, who have ever struggled with depression mm-hmm. or have struggled with their relationship with their father, they felt connected mm-hmm. or at least refle- their experience reflected but I think it was also like there was a feeling that he was being authentic on stage, like mm-hmm. he was being honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I liked about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked that he there was a good mix of humor and uh, truth, storytelling. Now. You didn't. There are things you did not like about this, and I want to talk well, about what you didn't like about. Well, here's and it's not even about liking things that you right. noticed that you wish could have been better. Right, development. Well, and by the way, anyone can go to Netflix and watch this if they want. Yes, and that's important to watch it. It's called Three mics. Three Three Bills. No, Three Mics. Three Mics. Um, so yeah. So first of all, I, what I would find really interesting is is in the world of comedy, is while I laugh at something in the moment. You know, which is like cotton candy. You know, it's like mm-hmm. enjoyable in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I I probably won't be talking about it to my family and friends six months later. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting. Comedy is a, a bit of an ephemeral experience. Occasionally, yeah. I hear people repeat jokes that they really like. Rare, but rarely, rarely. Um, like for instance, he he did the one with the one-liners, which in the moment I laughed heartily and and you know authentically. Yeah. And as I sit here today with you, I can't remember. There's one I remember. Oh, go ahead. Let me hear it. Um, I'm gonna butcher it because I have a bad memory. But mm-hmm. the joke was something along the lines of this: Have you ever noticed that on the LAPD cars, where it says "protect and serve," mm-hmm. it's in quotation marks? <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a pretty good joke and is, is. A- actually true. It is in quotation marks on LA, LAPD squad cars. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like it's being ironic. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sir. Uh, I think on the Beverly Hills uh, police uh, squad cars, it says something like, you know, um, what does it say? Something like, policing the the best policing money can buy or something (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it says that probably not no but it's probably true yeah um the best money can buy um he did another one too that was really funny it wasn't that one it was just i just remember thinking oh funny but now i can't remember which is really interesting and yet uh, we have people on our show or things like this and people tell me a moment in their story and like it burns in my memory forever and do you feel that way about certain movies? Certain scenes in certain movies, sure. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I can have a hard time remembering dialogue from movies. But it, it's hardly ever dialogue. It's it's usually like a feeling or yeah. a strong visual. It depends upon who you are and how you record life, you know. Okay, so your feeling is you go comedy is like an ephemeral experience. You're laughing and then it's over. Yeah, and 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 for something to, to like really stay with me. Um, I, I'm gonna go to like uh, I'm gonna go to like six months a year later, and I kind of go, what do I remember about it? And I usually remember like one or two moments that are are that are meaningful to me. Right. Um, and um, I would say for his piece, 
the most meaningful one. I only saw it a week ago. Um, but I will remember that uh, he made the choice point with his sister to leave his dad when he was on his dad's uh, deathbed and that he missed it. Uh, he missed coming back in time before he passed. Right. Uh, like, I'll, I'll remember that. Okay. For There's sure. something there. Yeah. Because that's a very challenging moment, and uh, and then after that it gets cloudy because there's no if 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 you watch the stuff th- there's no real event, which is language for me. Event means like there's no like like okay so the father is dying the son the father and the son right the father and the son uh, they meet in the hospital he's on the deathbed he says uh, dad I gotta go to work I'll be back in three days he goes okay I'm gonna call the lawyer. Uh, I want you back in the will. Right, because Neil Brennan was one of 10 kids and his father singled him out and didn't put him in the will. Because of... Because of Cause they because of their past. Because of their past. And so he leaves the hospital room and his sister's there and he says, oh my gosh, it's true. What dad says, uh, he called the lawyer. He's coming over tomorrow morning. We're going to get this straightened out. So that's an event because it's very specific and it's very clear and I know where I am. Then when he when his dad passes and he comes back for the funeral, he goes, but he doesn't go. It gets kind of you know cloudy for me in terms of there's no strong event. And then they have a thing where he works something out about their past, and then he comes to some sort of reconciliation. Right. And and that part wasn't as grounded for me because because it wasn't articulated, and he didn't uh, concretize it by putting it into an event. So while he has a realization, and then I realized, uh, which are words to avoid, um, uh, there's no memory uh, uh, for it for me because there's no articulation. There's nothing specific. So you wanted the re- you wanted the quote unquote realization to be pegged to and really s- to come out of a scene in an event that you would remember. The scene or the event is the framework for me for me to remember. And what if, like, there was no actual event in his life? Huh? I'm teasing. Um, that's where you get into these things of, and then I realized, mm-hmm. um, and and then I realized is code for uh, for a writer, uh, which translates briefly. Um, I haven't done enough digging around here. Oh, so you're saying if he'd done enough like work at the events that had happened after the death of his father, he might have found a scene he could have dropped us into to ground us in that moment where he has the realization. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I thought you were going to give other notes about this, which were more about what you felt was the way some solo performers are telling their stories now. Oh, yeah. Which we is can... that like, you know, like, and I think partially it's because Neil Brennan has probably struggled. He, he talks honestly about how he can't feel. Mm-hmm. He has a hard time with feelings mm-hmm. because of his depression. But there are times where I think like from a solo performance perspective, you would probably say that he wasn't totally in his emotion, the emotion of the character, right? Right. He, the reason why he's a comedian partly is because his mind is stronger than his emotional life. And so his mind will come in with the with the glib or quick or irony or some sort of way to make a little comedic moment, which actually takes you out of the it takes you out of the moment most of the time, especially his type of comedy. 
um, I can't remember. There's a se- there's a sequence where he's he's going down like a dark hole, and then all of a sudden he comes out with a one liner. I-, I wish I could remember what it was, but it was something glib. Right. And he got a cheap laugh. You know, he got a laugh, and then he went back into the narrative. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's like a common comedic. Yeah. I mean, I saw like I first off I was saying I I really like Neil Brennan's special. I thought it was brave and bold and he really went to a personal place and Mike Birbiglia did the same thing, but they both do something, which I think it's just all comedians do, which is when it gets really, there are moments when it gets really vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I think Neil Brennan did a pretty good job of keeping it. Like he goes to some dark places, Oh yeah, but they often pull back by doing a joke. Mm -hmm. And I think the experience for the audience is like not as powerful as it could be because they're, they're papering over a little bit. They're they're being asked to to try on new skill sets that they may or may not be as comfortable with as with their comedy, and so that's one way for them to feel safe and to feel secure. And you know, you said one other thing when we watched this, which mm. is that you said like it feels like a little bit like he's reporting what's happening. So that's so that's the depth of entry. So he's he's telling us what happened as opposed to experiencing it. And that has to do with an approach. So what we were talking about before was I was commenting on that which is, right. you know. But now we're talking about like how could how could you change what he's doing not in terms of the actual narrative of the story, but but his approach. And he never lived I shouldn't say never. He less frequently did he actually live in an actual scene? He just sort of skimmed over events. Right. Okay. I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's not the kind of thing where he drops us into a scene. And it's interesting because some comedians will actually drop us into a conversation mm-hmm. and then they'll do both sides of the dialogue yeah. as a comedic tool. Yeah. Um, and that that is a little bit along the lines of your, like from a performance perspective, yeah. like, like if instead of telling us what had happened at the hospital with his dad, if he dropped in and said, and he'd been there, like we'd see Neil Brennan in the moment and then we'd see him do his father, which might be really hard, but like that would be a different kind of approach. What do you like about that approach? It, 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 it pulls me in as opposed to, you know, the, uh, the Wikipedia version of, of someone's life. You know, I get a brief overview, the overview of the story. But, you know, I mean, like, I didn't have a sense of, like, was was his dad in, like, you know, was it a half, what, what's what's that called when you're when you're on your way out and there's no hope? Hospice. Hosp- hospice, yeah. yeah. So was it a hospice situation? Was it that kind of direness and yeah. it was more chill? Or was it, like, an ICU kind of thing where people are still trying to revive? They Both very different energies in terms yeah. of expectations and hopes and dreams. And Well, you're talking about the detail of the story, of the uh, scene. Yeah the scene yeah because that 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 imp but see you could say oh it's just a detail but no it's a huge it's a huge um situation in terms of how i show up to see my dad like if i'm showing up to see my dad and it may or may not on his deathbed or whatever on and he's in hospice then i have a different thing than if he's recovering from a heart attack right Right. Yeah. 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 No, I know. Yeah. I, I mean, we kind of know that he's dying. It's different. It, it, it's significantly different. Like every everyone can intellectually know someone's dying, 
but if they're like you're saying like if we draw if we if you had done detailed exploration work on this scene you said you would have found a way for him to live to deliver the scene in this really highly detailed way in which we would have been dropped in to a hospice worker and it smelled like you know dying ammonia and like you're saying that we would have come in on a different level i'm saying that that he would actually show up on in a different level and 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 by he meaning neil neil would have like actually showed up in a in a different sort of emotional yes. state and we as an audience would have reacted to that differently yeah we would have gone along for the ride right and so like i have no sense of i have no sense of like what his what his what the physical state of his father was towards the end he didn't describe it i wouldn't know but like if he had described it, I, ooh, you know, there's like there's a sallowness, there's a thinness, or he looked great. How could he be passing away? You know what I mean? Yeah, there wasn't th- there wasn't that level of detail. Yeah, but I think the detail aside, like the detail is much more fixable in my mind than something else. Which is, can a comedian drop into a performance of personal storytelling mm-hmm. in which he is Neil at his father's deathbed, feeling those emotions and saying what he's saying to his father, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's really what you're saying, right? Like, like well, th- well, that's, that's the entree so that you can get to that in an authentic way. If you don't, if you don't write it, if, if you don't go depth of entry, like was similar to what I'm talking about, right. then there's no way for you to have that moment. Right. Because you can't take the text that he wrote and performed and take that same text and now perform it with a deeper entry level. The text doesn't allow it. It raises the question of like whether like people who have come from a comedy background are trained in that way. Most aren't. That's right. I mean, because you're talking about like actor training. Yeah. You're right. And 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 it it has it has impact in both the writing and in the performance. It's not one or the other. And that's both. why it's that's why I ask like who are the you know like is there an opportunity for someone to be fully integrated as a comedian and as a solo performer? And how, what would that like, is that, you know, that's hard. That's a big ask. Well, we just lost, you know, you know who up in San Francisco, Robin Williams, yeah. you know, I mean, he's to me, he's the quintessential. He's a guy who can sit up there and, and do an amazing 90 minute set and people are, are holding their sides laughing and at the same time, he can also turn in a performance in a in a feature film where he's, you know, it's a serious it's Dead a serious society. Sure. Right, but to his credit, I think when he I don't I haven't seen all all of his work, but I don't remember a time where he did he combined those two on stage. Absolutely, you're right. I I don't I don't I I don't know that I don't know if he did or. Did and that's what yeah. I'm saying is interesting yeah. about what's happening right now is that people comedians are pushing themselves into that personal story solo performance world right and you're picking up and saying well it's it'll work in some ways and not in others because what we're seeing so far is not the full range of skills from exactly no you can't new skill sets are required if you want certain depths of entry you can't take the same skills that you have as you know set up set up payoff or work on the rhythm and timing of a joke, take that same skill set and put it into the emotional content of a scene where your father's dying and expect us to have depth of entry. Right. I mean, it's just like, it's you gotta expand, you gotta grow as an artist. 
and then do you take the time to develop it or do you develop on stage or do you have a, a natural you know propensity towards that so we have probably a, f- a fair number of listeners who are who have done solo performance and personal writing mm-hmm. do you have any like from what's from what you've seen going on in the world right now do you have any suggestions for them that they like learnings Take an acting class with Josh. There you go. <laughs> Josh, what town's his owner? Yeah, a, a, the big picture. Um, big picture stuff would be to. Th- this is going to be counter to what you just asked me, and the first thing that comes up for me is, know your theme. Like I felt that uh, Neil had an inkling of his theme, but he didn't like know it, know it like to the to the depth of what it could be. And I felt like that lessened the impact of his of his work. Um, so you're saying like know essentially what your story is ultimately about, so yes. that you then write the scenes and have the emotions that will take you to that epiphany at the end. Yes, that character development. Yes, and yes, and then when you are working with your skill set, where your skill set's already honed embrace it and just you know relish in it and then when you have scenes where your skill set is not as in as as polished then you know uh, seek out people to help you um and to to make sure that you're not leaking or or shooting yourself in the foot of where it could go but but the bottom of it is knowing that that underlying theme what this is really about the way it's showing up in terms of, of of what your piece is really about, make sure that that's in place because everything is going to serve that. All right. Go watch some solo performance comedy stuff. <laughs> Go see Inappropriate in all the right ways when it comes out in New York. Yes, it's it's going to be in uh, it's 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 going to be on the West Coast. It's going to be in L.A., San Francisco, Seattle. I know it's playing in Hawaii for a couple of episodes, uh, a couple of shows. Okay. I know it's showing in Hawaii for a couple of shows. A couple of shows. Everyone gets a free coconut. Uh, this has been Notes on Your Notes. Go to Facebook and Instagram where you can like us and follow us and get all of Josh's updates about future episodes. Also, go to the iTunes store and review us. We would love that. It would be a good gift to us. The music on the show is courtesy of Ken McLeod and the sound editing is courtesy of me. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.